Welcome back to another episode of Dad Teaches Me About Wine, the podcast that teaches you as much as you've been pretending to know about wine. I'm Madeline Quigley. And I'm Matt Quigley. Well, hi. Hello. For the first time in a long time, I don't need the heated blanket. It's really hot out. The heat is probably too high for the temperature that it is outside. Like, I have no idea what you're referring to. Like but the 50, house is too warm, you mean? The, yeah, the heat is turned up, at least upstairs. Have you been into my room? My no. room is always like... Well, the thermostat's out in the hallway, so that kind of throws things off. Either way. Hello, welcome back. I'm Hello. actually happy that we're doing it now. So when we first went to do this podcast about an hour ago, let's say... I had forgotten my microphone at my apartment, and I was very annoyed and had to drive back. But I'm in a better mood than I was an hour ago, so it's probably all for the best, don't you think? Absolutely. Um, how are you? We didn't come out with an episode last week, which you don't... You take no part. It's not your fault at all. <laughs> I wasn't about to take the blame, so... <laughs> I had an assignment due on Wednesday, and I was busy working on it, and I was just like... I was just like, I'm not... Like, well, I'm working on this. and I'm, I'm sure the fans were disappointed, but I guess we'll just have to do better this one. Yeah. Um, and so we got some exciting stuff. I also cut something out of uh, the end of last week. I feel like I cut out a lot at the end of the episode because I always try to make everything 35 minutes or under. And so when we're at the end and it's like 37 minutes, I'll just cut out huge chunks of things that we said. So it's better to put it at the beginning because then I won't cut it out. Uh, we've talked about potentially doing a live class in Pittsburgh, um, and wanted to see if anyone would be interested, probably like discount tickets, what people would be interested in if they'd go to something in person. I think there's a real market for it. So I totally cut this out of the last episode, but hit us up. You may want to elaborate in terms of what you would imagine the, the structure to look like. I thought it'd be something where people pay like $20, $25 and then it'd be short, Probably like an hour, hour and a half. Is this a tasting? I think it'd be like a very small tasting. Well, I guess we'll just have to see if anyone register cares. Their interest. Yes. yes. Uh, cool. Other than that, uh, there's also something exciting that you're doing in a week or two. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. In two weeks, I am taking the first level of sommelier classes. So this is a two-day immersion in sort of wine regions of the world, tasting 24 different wines. And then I take a test and I hope to be able to get my first level certificate, which is just beginner. You're so, going to be so bored in that class. Probably so. Um, well, we can celebrate with wine. Hopefully you pass. Hopefully. Hopefully you pass. Uh, I think it sounds exciting. Can't wait to talk about it. Um, so we'll do an episode on that. But yeah, if you want to wish my dad luck, feel free to send us an email. Dad teaches me about wine at gmail.com. Should I make dad teaches me about wine business cards for you to hand out at the sommelier class and tell people <laughs> to listen to your wine podcast? Uh, sure. That yeah. would be great. Yeah, let's do that. You can tell everyone about your wine podcast. If they want a more, uh, a more random, slow version of the course. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> With a lot of annoying interruptions. Here you go. Here's yeah, 15 hours. Yeah. yeah. Just saw my dad uh, take a peek at his watch. So I think that means he's ready to get started. What, what is 
this that I have in front of me here, Dad? Well, today we're going to do an overview of France. En Francais. En Francais. Um, and this is uh, a bottle of um, Vouvray, which is from the Loire Valley. Okay. So the producer is uh, Sauvignon, and uh, it is a 2016 Vouvray, which of course means that it's Chenin Blanc. Okay, so let's take a sip of this wine. Cheers. Cheers. That's an interesting face. Sweet. Does have a little bit of residual sugar. A little tart, even. Uh, that's the uh, acidity. So that's the that's what makes Vouvray um, interesting, is that it is relatively acidic but sweet also, um, and it's low alcohol. It's only eleven point five percent. What alcohol. makes a wine acidic again? Uh, has to do with the growing conditions. Is for white grapes, we're talking about is acidity. For red grapes, we talk about tannins. Okay. But for white grapes, acidity, and that has to do with uh, temperature conditions. Usually cool okay. temperature conditions will render acidic grapes. And what type of grape is in this wine? Chenin Blanc. And that's not a cool grape? Yes, it is somewhat of a cool weather grape, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more when we do the okay. Loire Valley. This wine is kind of interesting. Yes, it is interesting. It's an ABC wine. Anything but Chardonnay wine. Yeah, it's kind of. It tastes like something you drink by the pool. Yes, potentially. Poolside wine. Yeah, this is certainly not a profound uh, Vouvray by this any means. This is patio wine. Yeah, this is a fifteen dollar bottle of uh, of wine from our illustrious state store. I love but, how I'm bashing it, and that's like exactly what I would purchase. But there are much more profound Vouvrays that go for. 70 or $100 a bottle. Well, yeah, I don't know when I'll get a chance to try that, but okay. So anyway, what I wanted to do uh, was to give a general overview of France, and then we'll focus in on one or two areas each uh, uh, time we get together again uh, for the next three or four times. So if you look at a map of France... Um, we're going to go uh, clockwise in terms of uh, areas. So France kind of looks like a star, if people want to think about it like a star. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But anyway, sort of midway, a little bit north, uh, above um, La Rochelle is the exit of the Loire River into the into the ocean. The Loire runs pretty much east cuts west. it cuts France almost in half. It runs east west across France. Correct. We're going to do a um, a sort of clockwise around the country. So we're going to wind up at the end talking about Bordeaux, which is basically just south of Loire. I broke French wine major French wine areas into six groups. Is Loire, Loire so, one of those groups? So the Loire Valley is one of those groups. It's about 100 kilometers from east to west from the ocean heading west. So about 50% of the way up the state, that's where it starts on the coast. And then it goes 100 miles uh, east from there. Well, not 100 miles, 100 kilometers. Oh, so, sorry. Okay. Yeah, like 60 miles. 60 miles. Okay. So that's Loire. And then right below that is Bordeaux? Uh, somewhat. 
Yeah, maybe 50 kilometers, 70 kilometers, not too far. So we're not filling all of the area of France. No, we're no, not every, not like every acre, not every acre of France is under, uh, you know, wine production. This is more like polka dotted regions. Well, these are regions because they're recognized as such, and they have the the AOC um, classification. So the it, it, so wines that want to call themselves from a particular geography need to meet certain requirements, like we've discussed ad nauseum. Yeah. In terms of the labeling laws, so in France it's AOC, and they have specific varietals and yields and. Things like that. Are there more than six AOC regions? Oh, there's probably a thousand uh, AOC regions in France. But the, there are six like really big famous ones. Uh, no, it's there are six areas that I've decided that we ought to cover. There are more, but you can only do so much. Okay. <laughs> so well, I already feel like we've already talked about a whole bunch. So basically... You have the state, I think it looks like a star, and you've singled out six polka dots uh, areas that are big and important and talk about and represent French wine as a whole? Pretty much, which would represent probably 95% of all French wine. Would you like to know the other areas? Yeah, why don't you list them off? All right, so we've started sort of in the middle of the country to the left. So middle up and down and to the left. And then as we go over, um, we're going to ignore Champagne because we've talked about sparkling wine. But to our left would be Champagne. And we're going to pass Paris. And as we'll pass Paris and then north of Paris is going to be the Champagne area. So we're almost at the top of the, of the country. Yes, the because tip of the, star. the next place we're going to alight is Alsace. There's any way, like if you're driving, don't do this. If you could just pull up a quick map. map. Well, there's Dunkirk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a little bit north of. That's Champagne. about as north north as it gets. Okay. Right, you're in the channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Uh, so we are north of Paris, almost to the tip of the country. Well, north of Paris is going to be the Champagne area, and but then you're we're going to ignore that. Champagne because we already talked about bubbling wine. Sparkling wine, excuse me. And we're going to continue west, sort of in that general area, until we get to Alsace, um, which is in the border of France and Germany. Just to the east of, or excuse me, the, uh, yeah, the east of the Vosges Mountains. Okay, so we are north, east of Paris, near the German border. Correct. Got it. And that... That's Alsace. Okay, so that'll be the second area that we'll talk about. And then we're going south, I presume? Right. Then we're going to head south and to a certain extent um, west to um, the greater uh, Burgundy area, which includes Chablis, the Cote d'Or, which is where the famous Burgundy wines are, the areas south of there, which are the Côte Chalonnet and the Côte Mâconnet, which produce some very um, bargain white wines predominantly. And then uh, Beaujolais, which produces some, um, probably some of the best red wine bargains in all of France. This is Burgundy. 
all under the great yeah it's 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 what the French call Bourgogne, which is translated as Burgundy, but it's it's a very large area which encompasses a whole lot of different wines. Are we south of Paris? Uh, we are south of Paris, yes. and but we're east also. Are we close to Germany? Uh, we're getting no, we're farther away from Germany than Alsace because that was right on the border. Okay, yeah. all right, but so we're, we're going to be centered in the the the. The most critical part of the area is the Cote d'Or, which is where all the expensive reds and whites are, and that runs south of Dijon. So Dijon marks the north of the area, and then there's a highway, I believe it's called D974, which basically is the spine of the Cote d'Or, and to the uh, as you're heading south to the right, or on the west side are all the great uh, vineyards. Okay. And then what's the next one? So then the next one uh, would be the um, would be the Rhone River uh, starting at Lyon and then going right. south from there down to uh, basically Avignon which is where Chateauneuf de Pop is made. Okay. So these are it's really two fundamentally different areas because you go from relatively temperate climate in the north to pretty warm climate as you head south. So the overview is, so we start at Loire, which is above Bordeaux, and then we go all the way across the country to, um, what is it, Alsace? Yes. And then we go south to Burgundy. Correct. And then we go to Lyon. Yeah, further south. We keep going south to Lyon, and then more south, almost to the Mediterranean. Correct. With uh, Avignon. Correct. And where then, the popes hung out for a century. Um, where the popes chilled, and then we go back all the way across the country to the. No, uh, uh, yeah, you forget the fifth area that we're going to cover, which is how dare I the southern coast, which has the wines of of Provence, Langen. Uh, Languedoc and Roussin. Okay. It, it's going to be around Marseille and then heading along the coast towards Spain. Okay, so we're still on the Mediterranean coast? Correct. Near Spain? Eventually going to wind up close to Spain. And this is... What's this? What are you calling this area? Uh, the southern coast. Okay. And then we end in Burgundy. Correct. Or, or, uh, sorry, Bordeaux. 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 My yes. be. Mm-hmm. Uh, might be literally, get it? But um, bump Yeah, exactly. So that's great. I'm glad we nailed these areas down. I know you're dying to talk about them, but I think we shouldn't get too into them. I think we should talk about French wine as a whole first. Okay. Before you get too excited about one particular area. Um, you were talking, so wine in France, uh, we have talked about a lot about how uh, to be able to call a wine a Bordeaux, it has to be made in Bordeaux and follow all these rules. Same with Burgundy um, and what's another area? We just call <laughs> the Loire Valley sure. or, I mean, the southern coast a thing, or did you make that up? Well, the southern coast is an aggregation of a lot of areas which do have their own AOC classifications. So AOC is the same thing as like AVA, 
Correct. Same, same, but different in France. Right. But the further qualifier is that in the United States, the AVA rule applies entirely to... Location. uh, Location. So that the grapes have to be have to be grown there. Something like 80, 90% of the grapes have to be grown in the location that you specify. But the United States government doesn't tell you what grapes you have to grow in order to put the name on a label. So you can have a Napa, Napa Valley Zin, you can have a Napa Valley Petit Syrah, you can have a Napa Valley Viognier. You can These are grow all anything. Yeah, you can grow anything you want and put Napa Valley on the As on long the as it was some was grown within a certain circle on a map. Yes. You get to say right. that it was there. Right. Not the same in France. In France... Or in most European countries, right? Correct. In, well, by most European countries, what we talk about are basically three countries that control Italy, wine Spain, production. and France. And France, right. Okay. Everybody else is pretty loosey-goosey in general. But or those, would you say the U.S. is loosey-goosey? Uh... Compared to the European countries, yes. So, what year was the AOC established, do you know? Um, The French wine laws, I think, in the 20s and the 30s. But these areas have existed for much, much longer than that. Well, the traditional areas, yes, go back. uh, When we talk about Burgundy, we'll talk a little bit about the history, and it goes back to before Christ in terms of growing grapes there. Okay, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, yes. So these, that's kind of why it is taken so seriously there. You've, you've said that if you like mislabel a bottle, you'll go to jail. It's not just like, oh, don't do that. It's like, that's a crime. Right. They, yes, they take it all very seriously because it means, it means money. You know, to call something a burgundy oh, right. is potentially it's like a, fraud. a very value. Yes, it's fraud. It's a very valuable product. So... Um, people, the way, I think one of the most interesting things is the way that in the U S like people would be like, what's your favorite type of wine? And I might be like, oh, well, I really like Pinot Noir and, you know, I don't mind a Chardonnay, but in France it's like, um, oh, a nice Burgundy, but a person like me doesn't even know what grapes are in a Burgundy or, um, well now you do, but. Before you would not. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that's kind of like what uh, people should realize when we break down each one of these sections. It's like there's so much like just saying like, um, like it's a mixture of all these grapes and they had to be made in a certain way. Like champagne like has to be, don't they use Chardonnay grapes? Yeah, one of, you can use three different grapes in any proportion you choose, but it has to be those three. Yeah, it can't be anything else, and that's what makes it formidable to learn. Is that it's? It seems like all these areas, it's just arbitrary. Oh, in Cahors, it's Malbec. Well, how do you know that? Well, you you don't know that beforehand. You you have to study it. No, exactly. You wouldn't know unless you took the time. And the bottle may not say the word Malbec on it anywhere. All it says is Cahors because. If you're there in the wine store buying the wine, you ought to know that Cahors is Well, in France, everyone would know that. Correct. And everyone in France, and they're not going to dumb it down for us Americans. Correct. (laughs) They're definitely not going to do that. Sometimes the importers will dumb it down. So in the front label, which is provided by the 
by the person who vinified the wine. It may just say Cohors or whatever. It's Cohors and AOC. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, just to the right of um, of Bordeaux when you look at the map. Got but, it. Um, but in the back, the the importer may may give you a cheat sheet because the back label is the importer's oh, really? label and it may say you know 100% Malbec okay. so as to, to give you a hint but they don't have to do that <laughs> yeah then if they're trying to sell it to some Americans they might they might give them that little cheat sheet like what's the market for French wine in the United States like is it hard to get really like unique small house French wines here if you go to a very good wine store, you'll be able to find some excellent wine. Yeah. Um, the, the the France as a country has been well covered by U.S. Uh, importers. Mm-hmm. So most of the good stuff does reach the United States. But it does require education to know what the good stuff is. And because people inherently are pretty lazy... They tend to focus in on the what I call trophy wines, which are incredibly expensive, either first growth Bordeaux or Grand Cru Burgundies that will sell anywhere from three to five to a thousand dollars a bottle. And so people with money will tend to focus in on these trophy wines. Uh, because it's a lot easier to keep a short list of trophy wines in your mind than it is to explore and understand the entire country. Yeah, we're all just looking for a shortcut. Okay, well, awesome. I think that we this is a good kind of like um, introduction to the next couple of episodes on French wine, mm-hmm. what we're going to be covering, what an area means... What it means to be called a Burgundy. Okay, well, that means that you have certain types of grapes and it was, you know, from this area and um, all of that jazz. Eh? Eh? Um, cool. Well, there's actually one person I want to give a shout out to. Guys, I told you to get a shout out on the podcast. All you have to do is... Um, Leave us a review or, you know, interact with us on Instagram or anything like that. I'm happy to give a shout out. So this girl tweeted at me. Um, my dad probably doesn't even know what that means. That's not true. <laughs> she, do you tweet at? I was wondering what the um, preposition is. Do you treat, tweet to at? She, I think it's at You tweet me? at? You, she tweeted at me. <laughs> You really wouldn't say she tweeted to me. She tweeted at me. Her name is Hannah. And Hannah is on Whole30, which is a diet, and said, can't drink wine for 19 more days. Who's counting, though? So listening to a podcast to learn about wine instead. So, Hannah, good luck with Whole30. Um, Hopefully you'll be excited to try a bottle of wine. Whenever, um, whenever you're done. Um, yeah, she, so thanks, Hannah. We also got a new review on iTunes. I listened to every single episode and I've learned so much. My wine atlas is on its way and I appreciate each new episode's arrival. <laughs> I guess we should get a percentage. Yeah, right. 
Thank you both for letting us eavesdrops on your conversation. Uh, fantastic podcast content. Madeline, your dad is awesome. Well, I'm pretty cool too. Thank you, whoever you are. 3D Edge Man. Should I know who that is? And if you want to... Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Be on our podcast. If you want a shout out. It's easy, Dad. What do you have to do? I guess you have to either tweet us or send us an email or uh, respond to the uh, posts. Yeah, just like get in touch with us in a way where I'll see it. Preferably a review on iTunes if we're going to be honest. Review on iTunes. A review okay. on uh, iTunes. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And um, talk to you guys soon.